Okay, okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. More show, more show, more show. Make more show, man. Come on. We don't want to hear all this. We want the show. We want the show. We want it now. We don't want to have to wait. We don't want to have to do anything. Okay? That's the way it goes. This is America's Finest Watchman. Hello, hello, hello. Lee Jackson here. How are you doing? Okay, so where we left off last time, for those of you that missed out, um, I got suckered into buying a watch that I let my emotions get away with me. And I ordered a Tudor Black Bay 58. Actually, it was a 36. And the minute I ordered it, I knew I was wrong because I wanted the 58, not the 36, which is smaller. So I canceled. And I got some very strange message from the seller <clears throat> saying, yes, dear, we'll cancel your order. Meantime, they didn't. So I got a hold of eBay and said, I want to cancel. And they said, we'll think about it. And they said, okay, we're going to cancel it. Then about an hour later, I get all this flurry of emails from eBay saying that the seller's fraud. And if they ask you for anything, you need to contact the police and contact your bank and all this. I went, uh oh. So I got a hold of eBay. I mean, I got a hold of PayPal, excuse me. And PayPal used to be part of eBay and they split off and now they're bitter enemies for some strange reason. They don't like each other at all. So they gave me kind of a hard time. They said, well, what are you talking about? And I said, here's the, the number for the scam, the fraud, blah, blah, blah. They said, fine. Then I get an email back from an email back from eBay saying, we can't cancel your order now. It's been suspended because you went to the bank. And I'm like, you told me to go, you idiots. So what I've always said about eBay is if you have a problem, they'll back you to a certain degree. If you follow exactly what they tell you to do, if you don't, good luck. They will not back you. And I've had that happen to me where I've lost. So I talked to PayPal and they said, oh, no problem. And eBay said, oh, no problem. In the meantime, a week goes by and nothing. And then PayPal's whole thing was, well, wait a minute. You said you didn't get the item. I said, I'm not going to get the item. It's a fraud. And they said, oh, well, well, we still have to wait to see if you're going to get the item because you you bought it, blah, blah, blah. I went, oh, whatever. And they go, we're going to give you your money back. Don't worry. So I keep hearing this. And then they said they're going to update me a little over a week after I bought the product and canceled it. Of course, I didn't get it, of course. Just so you know. And I waited and waited and waited. And then that day came along and I didn't see anything. And I thought, oh, my God. Then I read it could take another 10 days. And I'm thinking, what the hell? You got my money. What are you doing? You're not sending it to the person because it's fraud. So send it back. Stop playing around. Not an insignificant amount of money either. It was almost a thousand bucks. And maybe to some of you, that's not a big deal. But to me, it is. So long story short, after almost two weeks, they finally refunded my money. And I had so much problems. And the thing is, the longer you wait, the more apt they, being anybody, is to not give your money back. 
Oh, we sent it out. We didn't know. We forgot. Blah, 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 blah. You always get that crap. So the, the moral to the tale is, number one, don't get pushed into anything no matter what. I was thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And I said, this is too good of a deal to pass up. And I hit buy. And then I realized it was the wrong size. I wanted the bigger size, which they said they were now out of. So I wanted to cancel anyhow. Meantime, the whole thing turned out to be fraud. When I talked to eBay, they said that sometimes people are getting hijacked. Their whole account is getting hijacked. So it looks like they're a good buyer or seller. And they have good reviews and good numbers and good everything. And they're not because they've been hijacked. So this is really bad. And you got to be really careful because I'm telling you, a lot of times what these people will do is they will be pretty new. And you can tell by the number after their name, how many transactions or posts they have. And they're pretty new sometimes. And like if you see a zero or one, two, three, four, they're pretty new. So they won't send you the product. They'll take your money. And by the time eBay or whoever gets around to going after them, they've already folded their tent and run away. They're under another name now, gone, bye-bye. And you're screwed. So the longer you wait, the worse it is. You do not want to wait. You want to push, 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 push when it's your money. And I hate places that say, oh, don't worry. You're in good hands. You have nothing to worry about because that's what they're paid to say. That's what they're supposed to say to calm you down. And that really burns me up when I get on these, um, like one of these phone banks from the Philippines and they always tell you, Oh, don't worry. And I'm like, don't tell me not to worry. Who the hell are you to tell me not to worry? Fix it. Then I won't worry. They always give you the BS. Oh, it drives me nuts. Or in the case of like, I get a newspaper delivered. In that case, you get the Philippine phone bank. And then they always give you the same old, oh, don't worry, you're in good hands. And then they don't do anything. They just, they must be taught to just shut you up somehow. So that doesn't sit well with me, especially when you're, there's no brick and mortar store you can actually walk into and say, I want my money back. You're doing it online. Usually you're okay. But again, you have to follow every single direction. And if they're hijacked, man, you're screwed. What do you do? What do you do? I'm telling you, you, the first thing you got to do is call eBay yourself and say, what do I do? And if you can get a hold of them, which is very difficult, by the way, I know I went through this on another show. If you can get a hold of them, you can hopefully resolve something, but you got to keep on it. You can't just let it go. I'm telling you, eBay is a, it's like the wild west. You never know what you're getting. Now I know why they're authenticating pieces because they must have had all kinds of fraud going on. So what they do now is when you buy a more expensive watch, they'll send it out to a third-party appraiser to make sure it's the real deal and it is what it's supposed to be before it goes to you. So that adds time to the shipment because it's got to go to somebody else. They got to go through it, make sure it's right. Then it goes off to you. So you got to add another week in there somewhere. So you got to be very, very, very careful eBay, I'm telling you, the Wild West. That's why when I mention some of these sellers that I've dealt with and they're good, those are the ones you want to deal with. Those are the ones you're not going to get ripped off from. At least I don't think you will. I have no problem with those people. So very important to keep your wits about you.
Okay, so that's it. So I finally got my money back. I didn't get the Black Bay. Screw it. I don't care. Care less. Care less. You know. So I thought I would talk about Omega today because I think Omega is a really interesting company. And they really caught me off guard because I sold so many Omegas. It's not even funny. I mean, it's not even funny how many I sold. Oh, my God. I sold a ton of Omegas. A ton. And they were a very reasonably priced good watch. They were not of the ilk of, you know, Vacheron or Paddock, but they were a very good built-to-take-it watch. Now, some of their designs are a bit strange from the olden days, uh, but their movements were very good. They had this copper color movement that I always saw that I thought was pretty interesting. But somewhere in the, I think, 90s, maybe 2000s, they started to advertise like crazy. And when they did that, something happened. They became really big, really big. And now they're expensive as hell. Used to be pretty cheap. I mean, used to be pretty cheap. Not anymore. Not anymore. They've gotten way over the top. So I wanted to talk about Omegas because for some reason their advertising is paid off because everybody wants Omegas. It's amazing. And they're charging a lot of money for Omegas, even pre-owned. It's going for big bucks like the Moon Watch, $7,000. Holy mackerel with a band. Used to be 1000 bucks. They've gone way up. And here's their lines. And they had these lines in the past, but they had more. They have the Constellation, which is their top of the line. It's a certified chronometer. Um, they haven't changed too much in the design of the uh, Constellation. I mean, I just looked at the new ones. They look interesting. They're different, but not that much different than from the original ones. But the original ones are the ones that, like, Anna Kornikova did. You know, she used to advertise the... the uh, constellations the flat one's really nice now the workhorse of all of these is called the seamaster and these are the watches that i used to get tons of these and they had from the 50s they had a bumper movement they had that copper colored movement inside they ran like crazy ran well and i would always say we're going back 30 something years i would tell people if you want to start collecting swiss watches one of the first places you want to look is omega because you can get a nice Seamaster on a strap from the 50s, really clean and nice, for three, 400 bucks. How do you beat that? And it'll run and run and run. They run like crazy. They are like a Toyota. They go, go, go. And I love watches like that. They're indestructible. And the Seamasters are. And that's also the James Bond watch. It got bigger, of course, over the years. You know, it's not like it used to be really small. Got much bigger. And they got better. And then you have the Speedmaster, which is the chronograph, and they have the, the moon watch. Now, the, the thing with the Speedmaster, it's called Speedmaster Professional. They call it now the moon watch. It's a Lamagna movement. It's manual wind. It's a three-reg chrono. And the reason it got so popular and so expensive is that they actually used it on the moon. Um, 
the Apollo 11 astronauts wore it and it actually went on the moon walked on the moon with them. Not only that, but they had another mission. I think it was an earlier Apollo mission where their computer went cuckoo and wasn't working and they had to fire their retro rockets and they used this moon watch that somebody was wearing and it worked perfectly. Perfect. If they would have been off, they would not be here. They'd be gone. And it worked perfect. So that's a great testimonial. I mean, think about it. One on the moon. One of the other things about the moon watch, which I find very interesting, is remember on the moon there's no gravity. So does it keep running? Because it's not quartz. It's got a mechanical movement that's actually moving in there. And the answer is yes, it does. Keeps beautiful time. And it's manual wind. It's not automatic. So you got to get used to that. Now, I'm wearing a manual wind chronograph <clears throat> that I can't take off my wrist. And it's not a big deal. You know, I've worn many, many antiques that you have to wind every day. They're not automatic. You have to wind them. It becomes kind of a pain to remember to wind it or it's going to stop. With the newer ones, especially the chronographs, they have a very long life on a wind. Like, for example, mine has 48 hours. That's two days. So if you wound it up, you wouldn't have to rewind it for almost two days. It'll keep perfect time. So the reason that the man on the moon watch doesn't have a rotor is because of weightlessness, no gravity. How's it going to swing? There's no weight to it. So they used a manual wind and it uh, worked perfectly. Saved their lives in one, one time. And then it went on the moon and became very famous. And after the moon shot that they wore this watch, NASA decreed that this was the only watch that could go up on the moon or up in space. So everybody started wearing these guys for a while. And they're very clean looking. They have almost a presidential looking bracelet with three links. They have two round pushers on them, a manual wine, three register, black and white dial. Very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like military looking, but beautiful watch. Beautiful. And it's big and it's no nonsense. Now, the other line that they've had for a long time, and they have some really interesting pieces under this, is called the DeVille. They have their dress watches under here. They have all kinds of watches under DeVille name. And you can find DeVille's pretty reasonably priced if you look hard enough. And Omega goes way back. I'm trying to find out exactly when they started. It's somewhere around the turn of the last century. Um, but they're good. And everybody is after Omegas now. Everybody knows what an Omega is. They're all hot to trot. and they, Everybody tells me they want one. It's just amazing. Everybody wants Omegas. Watches of a Navy SEAL, Omega Rolex Tudor. How about that? Aquaterra, like my accountant, said to me, I want to get a roll. I want to get an Omega. And I looked up the watch he wanted. And I said, uh, you know, that's kind of expensive. And he said, Yeah, it's the one I want. It was, I don't know, three, four thousand dollars. And I said, you know. If you took that money, you could buy yourself a much finer timepiece with that same money. Oh, no, 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 no. It's the second guy I ran into that wanted Omega, period. They didn't want anything but Omega. Isn't that weird? And they have been pushing, 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 pushing. They Their watches really 
are big. So when you talk about Omega, uh, they're good. They're, some of their watches are certified chronometers. In the old days, now they're starting to, I think more of them are getting certified. They have ocean watches. They have watches for the air, all kinds of stuff. And then Daniel Craig wore Omegas and James Bond. Uh, Nicole Kidman wore them. I mean, you have a lot of people who wore Omegas. And Omegas, like kind of like Rolex, it started a long time ago. And they're still around. Now they're bigger than ever. I mean, they put a lot of money toward advertising. They started from a guy named Louis Brandt. Um, and he opened his first workshop in 1848. Then in 1879, he died, <clears throat> and his two sons took over. <clears throat> Excuse me, Louis Paul and Caesar. And they kept going. 1880, <clears throat> they changed their name to Louis Brandt and Phils. They moved from Chateau Lafons to Bien to a bigger, a bigger outfit, a bigger workshop. Where are my glasses when I need them? Of course, I can't see anything. I hate to tell you this, but when you need glasses, it's bad. It is bad. Bad, 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 bad. Sorry. It's terrible when you need glasses. It really is. Okay, so in 1885, they had a new caliber called Labrador. And they still were not called Omega, by the way. In 1892, they made the first minute repeater for the wrist. Now, imagine 1892, nobody was making wrist watches. So they took an existing pocket watch movement and turned it into some sort of a wrist watch, kind of like these marriage watches you see, where they take a, a pocket and they turn it into a wrist watch with a new, a new case or something, some other deal they do. So in 1894, they had a new caliber, a 19 line caliber, which was very famous. And then they started using Omega in 1895. So they go back before Rolex. And they received the grand prize of the 1900 Universal Exposition in Paris, the greatest honor to give. And they have made gorgeous pieces. Okay, so the next chapter. Let's get there. Okay, so they started doing sports, sporting events in 1905 with chronographs 1909 they were timing the gordon bennett cup you remember there were ads all the time they used to say long jeans you know john cameron swayze for long jeans and omega had ads like that too and they were to me to me omega and long jeans were very similar in quality and type of watch they're both on the same level back in the old days you know in the 50s omega and long jeans 40s omega and long jeans they were more of a sporting caliber watch, um, more than dressy. Okay, so in 1909, they went to all six continents. They started doing Art Deco in 1925. Beautiful stuff. And then 1931, they set precision records in all six of the trials at the Geneva Observatory. Their chronometer tested more accurately than any other watch ever produced so omega made good stuff but they were reasonably priced they weren't super expensive 1931 they made an automatic watch that went in 
two different directions instead of one. But they used bumper movement. You know what a bumper is? Like a swinging weight that hits a spring on either end and stops it, doing, doing, goes bunk, 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 back and forth, back and forth inside the watch. It doesn't go around and around and around. Uh, 1932 Olympic Games. They did all the timekeeping of those games in 1932. They did a diver's watch. First commercially available diver's watch in 1932 called the Marine. Had a double case with an adjustable clasp. Looks like a uh, deployment clasp almost. Uh, in 36 at the Olympic Winter Games, they timed, timed a downhill ski competition with a new novel method that saw two separate chronographs used, one for start and one for finish. Um, let's see. A 47.7 millimeter Omega caliber adjusted by Alfred Jacquard set a world precision record of 97.8 points out of 100 at the Q Observatory in 1936. Only 2.2 points away from perfection. The record remains unbeaten to this day. Uh, they made a Medicus wristwatch with a central second hand for doctors to do pulses or nurses watch. See, up to this point, second hands were mostly on the bottom or the side. They had a separate register. Now it's part of the center of the hands. 1940, Omega was commissioned the single largest supplier of watches for the British Armed Forces and its allies. So they made these beautiful uh, military watches. And then they did the tubo gas in 1946. was red gold for the French market. Only a small number were ever made. And it had a bracelet too. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's a woman's watch. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Okay, in 47, they created one of the first Torbalon wristwatch movements, successfully miniaturizing one of the most complex mechanisms in watchmaking. So that's a biggie, because tourbillons or torbalons are very expensive in watches today. Um, 1948, they did some innovations at the Olympic Games, where they had a photo finish camera they developed that gave the time. Okay, the, the Seamaster that I'm talking about, when you start collecting, and the one I tell people, this is the watch to start with, came out in 1948, was built to withstand any challenge of any attitude. I'm telling you, they're built like a tank, these little watches, and they're nice looking. They're, they're pretty plain, but nice looking. And they have a bumper movement in them called Seamasters. Very cool watch. Okay, so now in 1952, they did the Constellation, and that was their Swiss watch, they called it. The eight stars on the dial, on the medallion, represent the eight precision records that Omega set at Q Observatory, and it has the observatory in the back. In 55, they did the First Lady's automatic wristwatch, and it was a sensation. You didn't have to wind your watch anymore. They didn't have battery-operated watches back then. Uh, in 56, they took a Seamaster and strapped it to the hull of Canadian Pacific Airways Flight 302 bound from Amsterdam to Canada, and it survived. Um, in 56, at the Olympic Games, the winner of the giant slalom was ahead of his nearest rival, and he was convinced the clocks had malfunctioned, but Omega's timing went flawless. 
Um, then they did 56 again, 57. They did their professional line of watches. They were all becoming legends. The Speedmaster, the Seamaster 300, and the Railmaster. Very cool watches. To this day, they still are in demand. Uh, Omega did the 1960 Olympics. Uh, in 1960, following the election, John Kennedy received a prophetically engraved Omega slimline watch from his friend Grant Stockdale following his victory. Kennedy wore the watch during his inauguration on the 20th of January, 1961. Here's the watch. It's a beautiful tank with an inscription on the back. Uh, nearly two and a half years before Omega Speedmaster was qualified by NASA for all of its manned space flight, Astronaut Wally Shura wore his own Speedmaster chronograph in his space on the Mercury Sigma 7. Wally went around the Earth six times that lasted nine hours, and of course his watch was just fine. As part of a rapidly accelerating space program in 1965, Omega was one of four watch brands invited to submit timepieces for NASA certification. The chronographs were subject to challenges that were intended to almost test them to destruction. One watch survived, the Moon Watch. And it was the only watch certified by NASA to go into space. Okay, they did the 67 Olympics. In 67, DeVille dropped Seamaster from its name, became a line its own right. It combined Omega's already proven movements with meticulous finish and design. Slim, simpler, slimmer, and more varied. People like the uh, DeVille. Uh, 68, Omega did the timekeeping electronically. In a world-changing moment, the first human beings walked on the moon at 2.56 GMT, 21 July 1969. A central part of each astronaut space kit was the Omega Speedmaster Professional. So they all had the moon watch on. Interesting. Uh, 1969, they came out with the Concorde jet and mounted on the cockpit panels of this prototype supersonic jet were nine Omega instruments used to measure time. Uh, on 11th of April, Apollo 13 was launched destined for the moon. Following a disastrous explosion of an oxygen tank, the crew was left stranded in space with minimal power. Thankfully, they were equipped with Omega Seam Speedmasters. That's what got them down. Remember I told you this one? As a mark of gratitude for its con contributions to the success of human spaceflight missions, as well as successful return of Apollo 13 crew, Omega was presented with the Silver Snoopy Award, a sterling silver lapel pin that represented the highest distinction awarded by NASA astronauts. So on and on and on, Omega, Omega, Omega. They did the Apollo 17 mission in 72. I mean, I could keep going on and on and on. They came out with the Mega Quartz movement in 74. Uh, it was certified as a marine chronometer, and it has less than 0.002 seconds per day. It remains the first only wristwatch to receive this distinction. And it keeps going. I mean, it just keeps going and going and going. I don't want to keep boring you with this, but Omegas are cool to get, especially if you can get a good deal on one. Now, the one that I like, um, I like them all. Don't get me wrong. I think they're cool. The problem I have is the money. 
you're going to spend three, four thousand dollars. I can think of a lot better watches to buy for that kind of money. Give me three, four thousand budget, and I'll come up with an array of watches you could buy that, in my opinion, would be better. Better value, better watch, better everything. I'd look at GP. I'd look at Ulysses Nardin. So I'm talking sports watches, remember. Uh, who else would I look at? Maybe Zenith. Uh, Bell & Ross is a good one. Panerai. There's a whole bunch you can come up with. A, a friend of mine wanted an Omega. And it was three, 4000 I said to him, look at these, go look at these watches before you commit this kind of money. And you know what? I had him look at all these beautiful brands. If you look at Ulysses Nardin, some of their watches that are in that range, they are so drop-dead beautiful. It is sick. And Omegas are nice looking, but not drop-dead gorgeous like this uh, Ulysses Nardin. No way. And he came back and said he wanted Omega. How's that? Okay, so that wraps it up for today. Thank you so much. Don't forget, uh, LeeJacksonWatches at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think. I'm always here listening. Yeah, I'm there for you, baby. And I'm still thinking about what I want to get because I had a disastrous problem with that uh, Black Bay. So you lick your wounds and you move on. So all. You just got to be careful, careful, careful. Be very careful on eBay or any of these auction sites or any of these seller sites that you don't know the people. Be very careful. Buy something cheap to try it. That's the only thing I can say. Okay. Bye, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Love you. See you later. Great day for